York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. going on it's jay ellis from the nick of time show here giving you that nick's talk just a nick of time and it's time to start another win streak for these new york knicks because the knicks beat the spurs 117 to 114 jalen brunson came in here hit a career high 38.6 assists seven Rebounds, shots for Jalen Brunson, the monster. All right, Julius Randle comes in and gives you 25 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, three steals, and three blocks. Randle playing this defense. Grimes got dirty, giving 14 points, two steals, shot three of five from the three-point line, and had a great clutch stop at the end to preserve the win for the New York Knicks, preventing the game from going into overtime. And the Knicks overcome lackadaisical, tumultuous bench play. They were outscored 61 to 21 by the bench. But our rebounding kept us in the game. Our shot making kept us in the game. Our rebounded the Spurs, 62 to 42, and come to MSG with another win. And the crowd goes wild. A kind of wild because it actually got. I was really nervous. Actually, it wasn't wild. It was more like thank God that we didn't have another collapse because it was looking like one was coming but the knicks won because sohan got a five second violation and we had more clutch shots than they did so salute to the chat salute to you guys on the panel and salute to fubu tv yes fubu tv if you want to watch the knicks on msg for free for seven days Go to fubutv.com slash KOT to watch your Knicks, other sports channels, and other cable channels like Martin Fresh Prince, or whatever you want to watch. You can also record. And also, if you decide to buy it, we get a cut. And there is no subscription. You can cut whenever you want it. All right. So shout out to Fubu TV. Now let me introduce you to my guys. First and foremost, welcome back. Ryan G, my man, the myth, the legend with the stats and the facts. What's going on? Ryan G is in the building. Glad to be back and glad to be back on a day that the Knicks win. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about that. Was in NYC. My family could not leave me alone, so I couldn't do no shows at NYC. <laughs> it's all good. You're allowed, you're allowed your family to not leave you alone, Ryan. Welcome back, though. Definitely welcome back. We miss you over here, buddy. We miss you. All we right. miss you, buddy. <laughs> and of course, you already know it is Mr. ESPN contributor, Mr. Posting and Toasting contributor, Mr. Deadspin contributor, and SNY contributor, the Latin assassin, Lee Escobedo. Let's go. What's going on? You got a Man, you, don't, you don't have a Trump hat on, do you? You have a red. What do you have? No, hell no. This is a this is this is Marfa, Texas, man. This is a one of my favorite art institutions here in Marfa, the okay, Marfa Ball. Okay. Gotcha. Our friends over there. Uh, hell no, no, no. I'm not mad at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm whatever the opposite of that is. That's me. Um, yeah, man. This was a good win. Really, really love having a point guard finally. 
it just feels nice. You know, he's been a little off and on with the free throw shooting, and he there is some tendency to over dribble. I mean, that was said something I saw while he was at Dallas with the Mavs, but it's just nice to have a really stable, smart, high IQ point guard running the show. We haven't had that in damn near 15, 18 years since Marbury. Uh, and I think Brent is even a, a little bit better than Marbury already off the bat. Uh, I said it before, I'll say it again, he's the best signing that we've had since Allen Houston uh, came, came in the 90s. So really happy to have Brunson. Very nice to root for a point guard finally. Absolutely. Very nice to have Brunson. Brunson started out giving you 38 points on the night. I know the stats are wrong. I'm about to update the stats. Hold on a second. Uh, he gives you 38 points on the night. Was living in the mid-range area. Popovich called him a monster, and he was right. Re they really couldn't stop him. I kind of feel like he only stopped himself. The only thing that is stopping um, Brunson right now is, is really free throws, really. Because <laughs> he has every move in his arsenal. He has the pivot. He has the hesitation. Um, he's a guy who he's just so dependable. Um Except in the fourth quarter, I'm getting a little bit worried, but I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know. 38 points on a night six assist. Um, our captain is back. Shout out to Jalen Brunson. What do you have to add to that, Ryan G? Yeah, man. Brunson played a pretty good game tonight. You know, career high, 38 points. So you definitely got to big him up for that. And he definitely hit some clutch shots, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, that last possession was kind of shaky. You know, he did lose possession of the ball. And I think. The ball went to Julius Randle. Julius Randle shot like an air ball and ended up being a shot clock violation, which eventually, you know, led to the Spurs having a violation of their own five seconds and so the next way able to seal the win. But besides that, you know, Jalen Brunson was really good tonight. Um, you know, it was pretty much the Julius Randle and Brunson show. Like those two guys just took over, you know, did a lot of isolation, took the Spurs one-on-one, -on -one, and the Spurs couldn't stop either player. But yeah, like Lee said earlier, it's great to have a point guard that you can depend on in tight situations to get buckets. Let's go. Yeah. Any dad to that, Lee? Well, I'm looking for the slide. <laughs> you know, I've been called a hater a lot uh, after last time's debate with Ron. I've been called a hater even before I longer than that just because of my criticism, mostly on Julius Randle. And, and this was a night, you know, Ryan alluded to it. This was a Brunson and Randle show. Uh, the stats in terms of shooting splits, Randall was nine of 26, one of eight uh, from three. So that pretty horrid shooting night. Yeah. But you know what? I don't care. Like what I what I wanted to see the most are those four blocks. Those are the things for me that I care the most about. And those are the things that Julius Randall's providing on a nightly basis. The defense, the effort, that you know, closing out when he needs to close out, not getting those plays off. Man, my heart and soul, I'm with Julius Randle right now, man. The dude is balling out of control. He's not my full support. He, during the good shooting nights and the bad shooting nights. That's my dog. Yeah, Julius, this, this, was, this was an interesting game for Julius Randle. A very interesting game. Um, chased down LeBron James-like blocks in the first half. Got me excited. He had a few blocks. You know, he... he, he I felt like, you know, I didn't like his offensive process today. I felt like he was a little bit three-point shot happy. He's playing very relaxed re lately. And today I felt like he might have been a little bit overly relaxed. 
and it yeah. led to some turnovers and, and stuff. But all in all, Julius Rambo three steals, three blocks on the night was 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 great. Was absolutely perfect. Um, the almost perfect defensively. The only slight critique I really have was um Mitchell Robinson got into foul trouble early and when I went back because sometimes I'll watch what happened back as the game is going when I look back and see how we got into foul trouble uh, it was a lot of time because Julius Randle wasn't paying attention off ball a Spurs guy cut cut from the corner or cut from the pop and that was Julius Randle's man behind Randle Mitch caught it tried to rotate and stop him and he ended up in a bad spot and getting fouled now Mitch on the other hand he needs to know when to get his hands out the cookie jar once he's in foul trouble and and not, you know, overcommit defensively. But, you know, Randall was, was a, a reason for a lot of those backdoor collapses. But overall, the effort that Randall has shown was far outweighs the bad. He, he still finished with a positive on the night. I think he was a positive nine on the night. And largely it was because of the defense and um also in spurts he was important that third quarter when things started to get a little bit shaky he scored i think uh like uh, i think seven buckets in a row seven points in a row something to, to that nature and kept us afloat um and he also made a couple of nice passes uh, there was a pass he made to sims that was very impressive he, he, he does a spin move and it's looking like the old Randall spin rule turnover dumps it off to Sims and Sims scores a bucket. Loving the maturation of Randall today on a defensive end, even though it didn't have it offensively. Yep. Mm-hmm. And as far as Jalen Brunson is concerned, 38 points, another career high. This is one of those games that kind of reminds me that we still don't know where Jalen Brunson is going to stop. This is his first year being the guy, being the leader of a team, being the man. And he can get better towards this year and next year, figuring out how to close, when to uh, uh, pass the ball, when to take over a game. We might see more career highs coming from Jalen Brunson. We might see a 50 burger from Jalen Brunson. Uh, th- this team is is still kind of young and figuring it out. We haven't had this starting five together for only t- like 20 games yet, especially because RJ Barrett's been out. So it's funny. We've been up and down. We've been kind of helped to skelter with the win streak and losing streak. But I still feel like there's a, a, ways, a, a ways to go when it comes to growth because this team is still kind of figuring each other out long-term and Jalen Brunson is still trying to figure stuff out as a leader. And he's done a, a damn good job shooting 63% from the field and four, three percent from three. Mm. All right. All right. Salute to the chat. I'm look at this chat real quick. Uh, shout out to Alexander S Parker. Shout out to Lee, who's over here in the chat bar. Shout out to my real friend Cuts and Winston Ellis. Shout out to Debo the God. Boston Nick, Michael Moss, and everybody else who's rocking with the KOT show. If you love the show so far, hit the like and subscribe button. And I see you tell them. Shout out to you. We need this win. No Doug McDermott revenge game today. 
All right. <laughs> but um, guys, let me ask you something. The bench. Our, our starting five has been pretty dominant. I was looking at some stats recently. I think our starting five are like amongst the tops in net rating in the NBA. Our team really is top 10 in offense in top 11 in offense, top seven in defense. But when it comes to the bench, we're lacking right now. IQ was in the starting lineup and probably has a lot to do with it. But, you know, there was a scare in the second quarter. We were up 10 points in that second quarter. Um, and we couldn't get together. Does that bench scoring um, chemistry worry you long term? Um, For me, not really because I know part of the reason as to why the bench production it hasn't been as high lately. Like you said, quickly is in the starting lineup and RJ is out. So with that, you have to expect bench production is going to go down a bit because right now our bench consists of Hardenstein, McBride, Fournier, and Sims. Out of those four players, the only guy, who, the only guy who's capable of getting buckets is Fournier. Hardenstein is more of a, is more of a passer than a scorer. Sims is more of a defensive player. McBride is more of a defensive player. Now, when RJ comes back and quickly goes back to the lineup, then that's going to – I mean, when quickly goes back to the bench, that's going to give you more pop coming off the bench, and that's going to increase the bench scoring as a result. So in the long run, I don't really see it as an issue because at the end of the day, when Dibs went to that nine-man rotation, that's when the Knicks really started to win games. So regardless of the fact, you know, I'm not really worried about the bench. I just think once RJ comes back healthy, quickly goes back to the bench and the rotation gets back to where it was, everything's going to be all good for the Knicks. I agree 100%. Ryan hit the nail on the head. And I think we're also forgetting about Obi Toppin. Once yeah. Obi Toppin's back into the rotation too, he gives you minimum eight, 10 points a game. I think off the bench, once he's conditioning and his reps in, and, you know, he gets back into the groove of that second unit, uh, he's adding another scoring threat. And, I want Hartenstein out of the lineup. I think the only guy that I'm real hard on right now, dude, Isaiah Hartenstein, he's just a bum, man. I don't like the effort. I don't like how soft he is, how soft he is when he scores, soft on D, soft as a rebounder, just all around. I, I like Sims out there by himself a lot better than when he's paired with Hartenstein in the front court. But we still need a wing. We talked about this last time uh, in last podcast. We still need like, a big, stretchy wing who can play some large minutes at the two, you know, some average minutes at three, and play small ball at the four. I think someone, I basically Cam Reddish, but someone yeah. that Tom Thibodeau doesn't hate. So if we can go out there and get us a Gary, <laughs> if we can go out there and get us a Gary Trent Jr., who I'm obsessed with, or even Kenyon Martin Jr. with the Houston Rockets, that kind of player you can play in multiple positions, rebound, run the floor, um, and, and help cl- closing out on double teams. I mean, that would really solidify the bench unit. Yeah, absolutely. Because with RJ Barrett out right now, we're really kind of feeling it. The problems that we had today again had to do with the longer wings taking advantage of McBride and quickly a lot of a lot of the problems plus Hartenstein as well Hartenstein he couldn't even he couldn't guard Zach for for a certain for some reason it really looked a lot better when Sims was in there closing in the second quarter and the fourth quarter and not Hartenstein because when I was looking, I'm looking at Miles McBride. He's usually a plus minus darling. Lowest plus minus today, a minus 10. 
Josh Richardson, he was guarding Richardson a lot, and so was quickly. Josh Richardson is is six foot six. <laughs> a six foot six long wing. And the same things that were happening during that Spurs game was kind of happening again today when McBride and Quickly were kind of guarding him. They were just getting him down a hill around curls. And then there was like nothing they can really do once they got that screen. And so it was a rough, rough game for McBride and quickly defensively against those guys. And on top of that, you know, when those guys are getting screened, you need help. You need length to kind of compensate for those guys getting screened. And I'm watching Hartenstein kind of dropping off a little bit too far off of Richardson trying to help or, or, or maybe sometimes he doesn't have a choice. He has to choose the box out to, to, and hope he misses. But I just felt like when Sims was in there, he was able to kind of corral Richardson a little bit better. And those guys, um, it was a big reason why we closed out the fourth quarter better when Sims was in the game. Um, and Hart wasn't, and Mitch wasn't as, as well because Mitch was in foul trouble. And I think the yeah, same he, thing happened in the second quarter. Emmanuel quickly is a better rebounder than Isaiah Hardenstein. <laughs> Bruh. Crazy. It's true. It's true. It, it, it's, it's, and you know what it is? It, I'm going to give him some. Emmanuel quickly. Hardenstein is a good offensive rebounder, it seems. Like he has a knack for getting the rebound when a Nick misses. But when it comes to finishing off defensive possessions, yes, he doesn't seem to get the job done. The ball always seems to kind of like flick off his fingers or he just doesn't get it at all. So it, it's been a big L for us when it comes to defensive rebounding. But I, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you, man. Yeah. All in all, it was a good win. Um, I I still have some trepidations, and we can try to talk about that right now. End of the game. The Knicks were down one to the Spurs twice in the fourth quarter. Brunson, I love you. Best Knicks signing, like 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 Lee said. Best Knicks, not, Knicks signing we had in a long time. He goes to the line in fourth quarter and misses free throws once again. He, I think he's like eight of his last 20-something free throws. What's going on with Jalen Brunson? We've been doing... We won this game, luckily, because they were a young team. But when we face better teams moving forward, we have to execute a lot better on offense and I I love Jalen Brunson. He had two clutch shots at the foul line to help put the game the way and give us the edge. But that last, that last play when he fumbled the ball off his heel, gave it off to Julius Randle, Julius Randle, who's an air ball. We need a little bit better than that. Still glad we had to win, but still certain things to clean up because we have a lot tougher competition coming up moving forward man yeah uh you know not to not to reflect too too much back on our last podcast but Tom Thibodeau ain't it 
you know, I think we've had issues closing out games since he's been the head coach of this team. Uh, I will say one thing about it that I really liked. I liked that he subbed out Brunson on that on that five second defensive call yeah. uh, for Miles McBride, who stuck on Dun McDermott like glue, because if, it felt like they wanted Dun McDermott to get an open three or a mid range shot, and McBride just like closed him off, had the perfect timing, was counting down, and knew exactly when to side off a little bit over that screen um, once he knew that the possession was over. So good on Tibbs for making that sub. That's a sub he should have made. In that Mavs game, putting Sims in for McBride, but I'm glad that McBride was out there over Brunson. He fights over screens better, and that was the right call. But yeah. the man just like there's no creative, there's no offensive creativity at all. Like it was Brunson was I mean career high. What can you say? But all of that was most of that was through isolation plays, one on one. Same thing with Randall. You know, it's just it's a disappointment that we can't formulate a steam with all the different talent and different abilities that all these guys have on offensive end to have something that flows better than some of the worst teams in the NBA. The Spurs are like, I think second only to the Houston Rockets in the West. And we still like, we were on their level offensively when we have way more talent and ability on the floor. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. We've exacerbated the topic, but, you know, I continue to believe that Tibbs ain't that guy when it comes to who we need on, on the sidelines for this team. Well, yeah. And I'm- go ahead, Ryan. I'm just going to um, kind of, I guess, stretch on what Lee is saying. Um, I'll say this, like, the Knicks are lucky that they have players on their squad that do thrive in isolation situations because if the Knicks didn't have players that thrive in isolation, Knicks office would be in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. And I do want to make a comparison. I'm not saying that the Knicks are this team, but – it does make you think a bit if, if the Knicks were to actually upgrade and get a coach that has a bit more offensive creativity because I, I kind of liken this to like the Golden State Warriors when they had Mark Jackson and then they upgraded to Steve Kerr. When Mark Jackson was there in Golden State, he, he was very bland on offense as well. He mainly ran isolation on offense with Steph Curry and those guys that had guys and had them go one-on-one and that's how they operated. But defensively, he set a foundation to where when Steve Kerr came in and he upgraded the offense and added more movement to the offense, the Warriors just exploded and then all of a sudden you, you get championships. Not saying that the Knicks are the Warriors, but it does make you wonder if the Knicks were to upgrade. Because right now, Thibs, it's similar. Thibs already set a defensive foundation with the squad where you have guys that are committed to the defensive end. Now, if you, now if you take out Thibs and you bring in a coach that actually has offensive acumen, that actually knows how to add movement to the offense. You have guys like Brunson, Randall, et cetera, that can actually score the rock. It makes you wonder how much better this team would be because the defensive foundation is already there. You just need a coach that's going to increase the offense, like do something different on the offense, you know, to get these guys scoring easier. So it's just, it's just something to think about. Food for thought. It just, Lee just brought it up into my head when he, um, you know, said what he said. <laughs> I love you, Ryan. That's, that's why it makes you so special, bro. That's why I looked up to you. That's a, that's a fantastic analogy. Mark Jackson and Tom Thibodeau is a great analogy because you're right. I mean, and Raw said this. He has set a very solid foundation and culture of guys that commit on the defensive end. But there's so many limitations. And like the same way Mark Jackson had Curry and Clay, and we have Randall and Brunson, it makes us look a lot better than we actually are on offense. Great point. Right. Which is which is why I've been saying even since last year that you know that. He's setting up the foundation, yes, 
but I, I, I want him to keep going until it's time to transition from him. I know we have to transition from him eventually, but right now I still feel like we're still trying to get that recipe cooking a little bit longer. Like we've been, like I said, our starting five hasn't really been together that long to see that success really gel and kind of climb that ladder. Our starting five has only been together for like 20 games and now RJ's back out. So I want to see them together for longer periods of time to kind of grow even more chemistry. And then there's going to be a time where we're in the playoffs when we're going to be like, all right, cool. You know what? The coach is not imaginative. We need to in inject some uh, more offensive fluidity here. Let's go do that moving forward. Um, I just don't think the time is now. Now, as far as today, though, I will say this. Brunson, they ran pick. They ran pick and roll with, with Brunson and, and Julius Randle, right? Not even pick and roll. They just ran the pick, and they knew the Spurs would switch, and they got Sohan off of Brunson, and they had Brunson going one-on-one -on -one with um, who's Sheldon. And, and it worked, Keldon, I'm sorry, Keldon Johnson. And it worked two times in a row. So I'm not, I'd rather have more movement at the end of game situations, but it worked two times in a row today. So it wasn't crazy to go to it a third time and think it would work. I think, uh, I think Keldon just was a little bit more aggressive. And I think Brunson, for some reason, he's really cool for like, the last four minutes and 30 seconds. And then when it comes to that very last shot, instead of doing the things he usually does, he like strays from it. Like I felt like he had an opening to take another mid ranger panicked and gave it to Randall. And at that moment, I was hoping Randall actually passed it back, but you know, <laughs> Randall took the, 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 the floater, the fall away baby jumper and, and missed. but it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, Next time the would win. What you say? Yeah, Sims wide open too. Right under the basket. Right, Sims wide open too under the basket, but uh, it is what it is. Nick still won the game. We still won the game. We still got work to do. We still have a lot of work to do, for real. But salute to the chat. If you want to call in, the phone lines are open. All right. 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. If you want to call in and celebrate this Knicks win with us, or you have some criticisms about what we had to say, there was a lot of criticisms before uh, last episode. You can call in and, and, and talk about it today if you want to, all right? But shout out to everybody in the chat. Shout out to Mike Uno. Says, I like the panel. Good trio. Last show we had. Oh, yo. I'm not even. Yo, y'all can't. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Let's go. Oh. <laughs> nah, I'm not even playing, my guy. Especially, yeah. I'm not going to lie, Lee. I'm, I'm, I, I kind of sided more with Raw. I, I was more with Raw. <laughs> I mean, people can be wrong in groups. It's all right. <laughs> Well, you know, I found it funny. We all agree that Tom Thibodeau eventually has to go. We yeah. just disagree on when. That's the, I found that really win. funny. It's just the win. <laughs> we all know you got to go sometime. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it just looks crazy. It looks crazy as an organization to fire Tom Thibodeau when we're, like, winning. 
that's just this kind of kills credibility just a little bit <laughs> just a little bit i think if we wait two weeks we'll be losing again you know so it, it goes back and forth we're going we're not going to have a losing season we're, i hope not. no that's true that's true we're, we're not going to have a losing season this is going to look crazy with, with, however you slice it like it <laughs> I, I think if you're two games over 500 to me that's mediocre and deserves consideration that's but if we had an elite team and like a top 10 player and we were two games under two games over 500 i would be like okay yeah, i'm with you but we don't have championship players to say oh he's two games over 500 let's fire him that's like an overreaction to me you know what i'm saying like we have to we have okay players and slightly above average players right now. So it, it doesn't it just doesn't make sense. I think we have two all-stars and another guy who averages 19, and we're we're still, I think, underperforming up to those standards. It really depends on the playoffs. If we go into the playoffs again and get bounced in the first round like we did in the Hawks, I'm all for firing them. Like I, I think the guy needs to go. Because there's been other instances where guys have been went to the finals or went to the conference finals, gotten fired right after winning coach of a year, like literally the next season. And the, so I think there's, there's an argument depending on how we do in the playoffs. And I've always said most of the time when that happens that it, it was a crazy firing. I don't think most of the time people be like, why did you fire the guy after winning 50-something? Now, if they went to the finals a few games, like a few times and it hit a ceiling, that's different. But we haven't had the team long enough to even do that. And as far as the two all-star comment, we have two all-stars, yes. But, like, there's tiers of All-Stars, you know? Like, the All-Stars we have on our team have to be voted in. We don't have Durant's and Bede's, Steph Curry. Like, we don't have top 10, top 15 All-Stars. We have guys who are learning their role, knocking on the door type of guys. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it's still wild to say we – I don't think we're underperforming. I think we're performing to what standards we actually have. Man, I think I think you're making a lot of excuses without Tom Plibido. He'd be happy to hear you defending him this much and this hard. I, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. He's he's not a bad coach. I don't think he's a horrible coach or a bad coach. I think he's a slightly above average coach. But if we get bounced in the first round again by a team that we should be competitive by, he's got to go. I'm making a lot of excuses. Are you not? Are you overvaluing the talent on the team? No, I think we have two guys for the first time. In 13 years, since Stat and Carmelo, we have two guys that are bona fide all-stars. That I, I think most of the league non-Nit fans would agree that they are all-stars. And we yes. have another guy, and we haven't had this in 30 years, that's also averaging almost 20 points a game. We had three 20-point-per-game scores, and I think we're underperforming based on the, on the talent we have on the roster. I think if we had a better coach, we could be doing a, a better job and not going on eight-game win streaks and then following up with a five-game losing streak. That's all I'm saying. The I don't, I don't, listen, man, this tears to all-stars though. Like it, it's, it's cool to say that we have all-stars, but I remember freaking Kyle Lowry making an all-star game a few years, but no one's saying Ty Riley is, is going to be better than a Kyrie Irving. And like this, yeah, I, but Kyle Lowry was sending us play on the championship team. It's good to Lowry have Lowry was sending us play on the franchise changing talent all-stars. No, but I think that they're both, I would even argue all NBA. Brunson's third team All NBA, in my opinion, and Julius Randle could even be second team, but I would I would fall on third team All NBA, and that's a feat in its own. Absolutely, but then look, yeah. who, 
But look who's on top of us. They have a team with Kevin Durant, a team with Joel Embiid, a team with Donovan Mitchell. Like, there's guys over us who have, like, really top-tier, top-ten player-type All-Stars. Yeah. Like, our our All-Stars are, like, top, what, 30, 20? Like, we, we're not there yet, man. We're not there yet. I, I think we're there, like I said, again, we're there if we go in the first round and we underperform as a team that we should be competitive against and we get bounced in the first round, I think he should go. Because then you have three seasons, two first-round bounces, one you miss the playoffs completely. To me, that's an underperforming. I judge the playoffs more if I do the regular season. More I emphasis think, on I, it. I think it's too soon. I think it's too soon to, to to do that, especially considering what matchup we have in the playoffs is also telling too. Because we're yeah. most likely going to be matched up that. with a team like the Nets or the or the Cavs. You know what I mean? It's not like we're going to be ma- uh, matched up with low-level playoff guys. I'm not worried about the optics of how it lets the rest of the league fire into the coach. I mean, the optics already with the Knicks are skewed on how we're covered in the media. I think that we just make the best decision for the team based on the talent and the uh, potential that we have. So, yeah, I think we're right on schedule where we are. We're right on schedule for where we're supposed to be. Uh, we just have to let it cook. Um, salute to us, Alexander, who sends a file to me. He says, coaching never fully fixed. Free throw misses. We've underperformed for them from the line. We've underperformed from the line for a while realistically. Maybe oversimplistic, but curious what y'all think. I mean, we've we've lost a few close games from the free throw line. Probably most of the close games we've missed have been because of the free throw line. So I do agree with you when it comes to that. So uh that's a good point. Like that Dallas game is a, like, yes, there were tactical coaching decisions that weren't made, but at the end of the day, we missed free throws that could have put the game away and stopped it from going into overtime. And the same could be said for uh, some other games as well, especially uh, the guy we praised in Jalen Brunson. All right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I do want to say something, but in regards to, to talk about dibs, I just let y'all and Lee go back and forth because you know y'all just had a good conversation, but I didn't want to break it up. Mm-hmm. But I'm just at this in my two cents in regards to dibs. Like, I do, I do get where the both y'all are coming from. Like, the timelines are definitely different. Like, Lee would rather him probably go, you know, now as opposed to later, and you rather like let dibs cook and see how he does, you know, towards the end of the season. For me, I, I think I look, look, I think I look at it from like a, a more realistic standpoint. Like, okay. Like, okay, with Thibs, you had an eight-game win streak, you had a five-game losing streak. I think part of that five-game losing streak was attributed to the fact that Brunson went down with injury, RJ went down with injury. So I think from that alone, it's going to give Thibs a little extra, you know, threat. You know what I mean? Because it's like you lost two of your best players, and then the Knicks had to really, like, stretch out their bench for those games. And and some of those losses in the five-game losing streak was attributed to that. So I think with I think with you know, with the front office and the Knicks, like, I, I at least think that Thibs should get a chance when everybody gets back healthy to see if he can continue with that, you know, with the, um, with how he was with, with the eight-game winning streak. Like, can he I continue agree. with those guys? And then I think that if RJ comes back now and say the Knicks are middling, like, okay, you know, like, 
they're not really winning as much as they lose, then you can make a proper evaluation and be like, okay, you know what? Maybe that eight game when she was a fluke and maybe then now is the time to move on from Thibs. But I think Thibs at least should get a chance to at least see if he can replicate what he did in the eight game winning streak once RJ comes back and the Knicks have a fully healthy roster with RJ top and everybody else healthy. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, I'm glad that Ryan brought up the fact that uh, during the losing streak, we had players that were out because Kenny Bowens made a good point in the chat. The teams we beat had a lot of the stars out as well. I think that should be factored into that win streak. We beat a lot of teams that weren't fully healthy as well. Right. So both those elements should be factored into how we see the nuance of those streaks. Yeah. And I've been saying that as I've been saying that too. Like I, I did not take those losses um, hard, it's, especially that's the Spurs game, the, the Dallas game. Yes. But the Spurs game where we were missing 40 points from the starting lineup, I wasn't losing sleep over that loss. If we lost today when we have Brunson and Randall, that would it would have been a totally different tone. But I'm gonna, I wasn't tripping over that losing streak when we had our four, we had all those guys out for those long periods of time. Like we have to kind of we like I said before, numerous time we've only had that starting five together for only a certain amount of games. And even when RJ comes back, he's going to need to get back into the flow of the game. It, it, I'm pissed that RJ even went down for this long. Because he yeah. was starting to get into a, a groove in its own. And I wanted to see what he does when he, because uh, he seemed like he was turning the corner to me. So it sucks that he lost he lost a week of time. But um, I, I can't wait to have RJ back into this fold. Um, because even what we saw today in that second quarter, when the, 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 um, the Spurs started to catch up and cut that 10-point lead, and tied the game. Usually those are the moments when RJ Barrett is in the game. Um, but you know, we, we, we miss him right now without that rotation. We had Evan Fournier instead of Barrett and you saw what happened. So, I mean, on the flip side though, this is one of those times where maybe Tibbs could have had Randall or Brunson in there with them to prevent it. But we, and that's on Tibbs, but we, we miss RJ Barrett, man. And I, I, I can't wait to have him back. All right. Salute to the chat. Fritz, you said you want to call in for a second. Um, you can. You can. Um, also, if you want to chime in, audience, it's 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. Fritz, you in there? Hey, what's up, Dan? What's going on? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, Dave? Yo, yo. Hey, what's up, what's up Ryan? Uh, hey, man. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to just Time in on, uh, on the, the thought on Ted because I, I, I don't really think it comes down to like wins and losses. Uh, I think it comes down to his, his appreciating assets. I, I think uh, he has Cam sitting, and you know, we're looking straight for the next final star. He's appreciating an asset. Um, tonight, Julie is 41 minutes. Uh, Brunson. Uh, you saw Brunson, he, he hit the sidelines, he's holding the side. Brunson, 40 minutes. Um, he's appreciating after. He has no content. He has, he lacks social skills. It's a new NBA. Like, you can't, you can't do that to NBA players. I mean, and he's not learning. But, I mean, those are the things that I put to, and I hold him accountable for, um, that he should be let go. 
letting go doesn't mean that um, he's a bad coach. Or it doesn't even mean that, hey, we got someone better in the wing. It's just someone who's going to, you know, take those, he's going to take those cues. Because once, once the player goes down, um, you can't use him. Once the player goes down, you can't use him. If Cam, Cam, if Cam, uh, you go all year, if Cam does nothing, what are you going to trade him for? I, I mean, those are the, those are the things, like, he, he, he's so into the battle that he's not thinking long term, he's not thinking of the world. So, those are the things I, I, I think of I, I'd let him go, even now, even with the win streak, which is, for me, is not win the loss. Uh. I, I kind of disagree. That was my argument last year. My argument for Tibbs last year was he's depreciating assets and certain players have to play, but I can't say the same thing this year. I just can't. It just, it just doesn't make sense. We have McBride playing Derrick Rose's bench. The, the, the front office moved Alec Burks out of here. Cam had a shot. He started off, he started good. Maybe you can make a, a case for a Cam over Evan or Evan for, over Cam. Either or we're in a situation where we're going to have to move one or the other. I, I think I don't think that argument stands this season. I just don't, especially since we went to a nine-man rotation, we started winning. So I, I, I just can't, I can't fall on that sword that he's depreciating assets anymore. Yeah, I do agree with Jay Ellis's take as well because as much as we would want Dibs to play every single young young player on the roster, the fact of the matter is he is playing young players. You know, like we already made his argument when he went to the nine-man rotation. Like six of the players out of the nine-man rotation are Nick's homegrown players. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you, you can get upset at Dibs not playing Cam and Cam is depreciating on the bench or whatever the case may be. But at the same time, if you look at the beginning of the season, McBride was a depreciating asset, but now he's playing McBride, so McBride's stock has risen. And same thing with Quickly. Quickly's playing more minutes, and now since you know the injuries happened, Quickly's now getting starters minutes. Now we're seeing Quickly, you know, his potential as a starter. So it's like, yeah, you can we can nitpick and be like, yeah, he's not playing camp, he's not playing this young player, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, the majority of the players Dips are playing are Nick's homegrown talent, are, are Nick's young homegrown talent, like. I don't know. I, I can't nitpick because, like, like I said, it's most of the majority of players that, that are playing are Nick's homegrown talent. Yeah. Nick's nitpick is the, is the word. It's like I, 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 I'll nitpick because the front office had to force his hand to do that. That wasn't a decision that Tibbs made on his own. The front office had to get rid of his crutches in order for him to finally play the kids. And to me, that that's that that to me is a is a decree on his talent evaluation, his ability to look on the roster he has. Look at how the NBA is trending and play the talents that best fit that trend. And I think he has an issue with that because of his arrogance and his egotism. He's stuck in the mid-2000s way of playing that he learned under Jeff Van Gundy and hasn't been able to evolve in the way that he sees players and utilizes players. He's a great culture setter. He comes to a team. He sets the table. He changes bad form, bad habits, bad trends. He's one of the best at that. But I think he has a two-year ceiling where once you hit that, he's not going to get worse but he doesn't get better. And I think if we're ever going to become a contender and we bring in a superstar, I don't trust him to lead that superstar-led team to a championship. I actually do trust him to, not to a championship, I just trust him to, to play 
uh, veterans more in their correct uh, role. And I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't go the narrow of going. I, I kind of feel like we're in a situation where you're holding some, some something against somebody for something they did last year. It's like a man cheated on, on his girl in 2015, and now it's 2019, and you're still talking about the girl in 2015. But you took the dude back, you took the dude back, and you're still talking about it. It's like we're not there right now. Like we gotta let that go, bro. Like, you wanna let that go? We're gonna move on. We, we you gotta move on from last year's issues, and not like. You know what I'm saying? We have to focus on what's in front of us right now. So we can't say he's not playing young players last year when they're playing this year. Uh, I mean, it just depends on what we do in the playoffs. Huh? If we make it. It depends on what we do in the playoffs and if we make it. I, I don't know. Young players are playing, so I don't I don't get I don't know. Whatever. Salute to the chat. Let's see we- what happened? Yeah. I said the front office forced that, though. Like I said, that wasn't a Tibbs decision. That was a Leon Rose decision. I don't care how we got to the destination. We had the destination. It matters. (laughs) If you're evaluating how it happened, and you say you can't talk about last year, well, you had to because Leon Rose had to force his hand to get rid of those players. Tibbs didn't do it on his own. That's an important thing to take into account when you're discussing the pros and cons of Tibbs. Yeah, we can discuss the pros and cons and hypotheticals, but the situation doesn't isn't applicable today. It was applicable in 2022. We don't. Yeah, but it's not here anymore. You have to ask yourself how and why is Albert not here? Not because of Tibbs, because of Leon Rose. If he was here, he would still be playing. And you may know quickly in Brad's minutes would be decreased because Albert would be not, our first. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't- I, I, I'll I'll say this because okay, I do get what Lee is saying, and Lee is. 100% correct. I'm not sure if they would be playing the young players if Alex Burks and those guys were still in a Knicks uniform. But at the same time, I do agree with Jay Ellis as well because it's like, okay, well, maybe we didn't reach the destination the way that we would have liked to reach it. But at the same time, we're at the destination. So it's like, you got you got to take the good with the bad. But I think we could all agree that Dibs has to go sooner or later. It's just, I think where we disagree is mainly the timing, like, you know, some guys are like, yeah, we should get rid of Thibs now. And some guys are like, you know what? No, let Thibs ride out this season a bit, see how he does. And then at the end of the season, let's evaluate, you know, where the team is and then make a, you know, then make a move otherwise. But I think at the end of the day, like everybody's pretty much on the same boat. Like, yeah, Thibs got to go eventually. Yeah, it is pretty much. Salute to the chat. I see Craig is on the phone. What's going on, Craig? Uh, I got uh, Lee with a shout out, my man Ryan G, and of course the master of ceremony, uh, my man uh, Jay Ellis. What's going on? Listen, fellas, uh, I agree with Jay Ellis uh, on the majority of uh, when it comes down to this. Um, with uh, Lee and Ryan G with no cap, y'all need a hug, man. Y'all can't jump on the on uh, Tibbs like that, too tough because. Here are the facts, but here we go right now. When we got him, we had a, 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 a mini hooker to a, a scrub squad. Okay, he won coach of the year with all of the wins that he did with the team that he had. And then the last year, he had the guys that uh, at a, that were playing out of position, and he was like, didn't really, I didn't see what he knew what he was doing because I think it was all like chemistry, and he was trying to put 
you know, the right ingredients in the pot, but nothing worked. It's either too salty or too sweet or something. It just didn't taste right. It didn't feel right. So the front office did what they had to do. They had to take the, the, the ingredients that was making the pot spoiled and get rid of them. Yeah. And now we got pretty much a new um, team um, with some of the guys that we still uh, that uh, pretty much did okay with the exception of um, Brunson because that was a need, a big need that we um, fulfilled. Point guard position, but yeah. we didn't have that. And compared to the old regime, we didn't have a coach like this since Van Gundy, and everybody after that was trash. The whole organization was, was garbage. It was ultra getting, you know, you would have to have Petro Bismol by the, by the 40 ounce because it was driving you sick just watching the team perform. Now Tiz has took that bad spot from last year and now we are above 500. I say give Tiz a, a more chance to the end of the season. I'm not a big Tiz fan. Like every y'all be saying, Tiz be Tibbs. And, you know, there's going to be some times we're going to look at him. He's got to go. But pretty much what he's done so far, look what he did with Julius. He turned that crazy man back to normal. <laughs> we're talking about throwing him out. So now we can't in MVP. And all of that is due to kids. You know, um, and the only thing when it comes down to um, that situation is he makes it too ball heavy in those guys' hands. You got when If you notice, like, in the – beginning of the games, like first quarter or so, they do exactly what I think they should do. They pass the ball. They share the ball. They're yeah. moving. They're not standing around. They're they in different positions and making easy plays rather than um, holding on to the ball. Once that happens, we start. Uh, 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 you'll see our points start going down. We're not, we're not scoring as, as well as we should be. And um, we're going to end up losing the game. Here, the other team making a comeback. And then we got to go back to sharing the ball again. I say hold on to the ball at the end of like about three or four minutes. Right, you know, when right. you're trying to kill the clock. I but, got you. Um, the whole game, burn them, and then put your foot on their neck, and then and then destroy the other teams. And when you do that, uh, we'll we'll you know be back in the playoffs. If we're back in the playoffs, round one, we we still got some some improvements to do. If we get if we get um, tossed out, uh, we might consider. Uh, Another coach, but um, yeah. then, um, with Tibbs holding up the way, getting us to where we got, do we need to replace him? Maybe when his time is worn out and he's taking us to a level where we can't improve whatsoever any longer, then yes, got to get rid of him. But if he's getting us, you know, getting better, you know, season after season after season, I don't know. It's a strong argument, and then uh, that the office is going to go ahead and keep him. So I just wanted to give you a, say that point. Tell me what y'all think about that. Blessings to y'all. That's my time. All right. Have a good night, gentlemen. All right. Salute to you, Trey. Thanks for calling in. A very good call. I mean, he pretty much echoed everything I said, so you already know I'm going to agree. <laughs> the, the, only thing, the only thing I got to say is, like, I think Craig kind of, like, mistook what I said. Like, I, I'm not for firing Thibs now. Like, I am for giving Thibs a chance with the healthy roster and seeing where he could take the team. You know, I was just trying to, like, give, like, different perspectives per se, but I'm not for the firing Thibs. Now, I do think Thibs does deserve a chance to probably ride out this season depending on the performance of the team. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the playoffs, which I don't know what I said. But if we go into the first round and we play a team that we should be competitive against and we're not competitive, we get bounced in five or six games, he's got he's got to be fired. I'm for firing him now, but I, I know Leon Rose is going to do that, so I'm not going to be a dead horse. Uh, there's, I think there's a good chance he could be fired at the end of the season if we either, A, miss the playoffs or get bounced in the first round in embarrassing fashion like we did. I so don't long. think that's happening. I think that's a that's a pipe dream to me. I mean, even right now, let's, let's say the season ended right now. First is Celtics, last is uh, the eighth is the Heat, seventh is the Pacers, second is the Bucks. Then we got what Knicks and Nets. Very possible we lose that series. <laughs> extremely, extremely possible we lose that series. So if, like we get bounced out of playoff to the Nets, I don't think it's going to change anything. Yeah. If it's five games, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on their team. I disagree. If it's a five game bounce, that to me that that makes a statement. If it's seven games down to the wire, sure, yeah, I'm with you. But five games, we get bounced easily, only win one game. He's got to go. No way, no way. Yeah. It's Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, dog. Five like, games though. They've been five games. Five game they have like a two of the top ten players on their same team. Jealous. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying we should beat them. I'm saying it shouldn't be a five-game loss is what I'm saying. I agree with Lee to a degree because it depends on how they lose if they face a team like the Nets. Because, like, for example, why Steve Nash got fired, look how the Nets played against the Celtics last year in the the playoffs. They got swept. They got embarrassed against the Celtics. And I think that that contributed to But the Celtics are a championship team, and and the Nets had championship aspirations last year. They should – he should have got fired. Get swept though. He should. If really got swept, that was embarrassing. If Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was on our team, and we got swept, then hell yeah, Tim should get fired. But we don't have no, we don't have no top ten players on our team. That's yeah, what we're saying. It, it, it depends on the way they lose though, because say for example, they go against the Nets and get smacked every game that series. Like no, that shouldn't be the case. You should at least show fight in that series. At That's least you're gonna go down. Fight so is I think one thing. I can say show. I can say show fight, but well, I, I, look. I'm not even gonna hold you. I wouldn't be surprised if we got swept in the net series, dog. Like, Oof. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised either. But I mean, if if the Knicks show fight, I can see them keeping Thibs. But if they just get smacked, like that's that's grounds to fire. Yeah, hundred percent. Smacked is like losing by forty every game. That's what I see, smack. I. Can, if we get swept by the Nets, I can't. It's the Nets are supposed to be contenders last year. Like I don't know, I don't know. What do you guys think in the chat? What do you guys think in the chat? Or even if you want to call in, they're saying it. Salute the chat. If you have something to say about that, what do you think about a playoff run with the Nets? What do you think is 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 grants for firing for tips? Um, also, you know what? I want to touch on something that came up. It it was a blip yesterday in like Groomerville. I think it was Mike Soto was Soto who talked about the Knicks are still monitoring Zach Levine. Um, and you know, here, I, I, I actually do like Zach Levine. But 
I'm kind of. I, it's funny. I feel like Knicks fans undersell Zach Levine because dude averaged 28 points a game as, at one season and shot 39% from three. So I think Zach Levine is a great NBA player. Um, and I do feel like in a half court offense, we need guys who can shoot threes and he can do that. But at the same time, the way RJ Barrett was coming on about a week ago where you started to hit threes and start to figure things out. I really want to see where that goes with his development because the one th- I, I feel like Zach has that three point shot over over RJ, but the swing skill for me from RJ is the passing. Um, I think he has the the higher ceiling when, when it comes to passing. And I really hope RJ can kind of put that together. So I know the Knicks are looking at Zach, but I hope they're not too hasty with that type of move right now. I see you want to touch on that, Ryan? Levine Let plays me. no defense and shot selection is his, his sock selection is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll say this. Um, I am interested in RJ's development. Like, I would definitely love to see RJ develop more in a Knicks uniform. You know, but at the same time, when Levine is on, you know, that dude is on, like, RJ's a good player, don't get me wrong, but RJ's not to the point where it's, where, you know, it's late in, it's late in the game and then you can put your ball in it, you can put the ball in his hands and he's just going to take over. Like, I've seen Zach Levine do that over and over and over again. I think this season yeah. he has a, He's a little off this season, but the last couple of seasons, like when you put that ball in that dude's hands, like I've seen this dude go off for like 20 points in a quarter and things like that before. So it's like, I do want to see RJ's development continue, but at the same time, it's like Levine is just a different player. Like you, you get a Levine on your squad, you know, you get a guy, a go-to guy where, you know, you could give this guy the ball in the fourth quarter. And he's going to get you buckets. It, it, it's it's tough to really pass it up if a guy like that becomes available. It's tough to pass that up. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Zach Levine. I did a back and forth with one of the other Post and Tosin writers like mm-hmm. a month and a half ago um, when the Bulls kind of started going turning downward about whether we should trade, and I was for it. But since then, I, I like the chemistry of his team, and I just think the Bulls would want everything. I think they, they view Levine as their centerpiece, and it would really take like a Donovan Mitchell-level trade mm. for us to get him that contract and his knees. I'm more on the fence now than I was two months ago. I mean, if we got him, I would support him and be happy about it, but right. I think RJ has something else in the tank. I think Grimes, this might be controversial, I think Grimes might have a higher ceiling than RJ. I've loved what I've seen from Grimes lately. His game is really elevated. I mean, you said on Twitter, uh, JL, his movement off, off ball – much yeah. needed in this starting lineup. And I think once he pairs that with an intermediate game, like, uh, you know, have a pull-up J um, in, by the free throw line, he could really add a dangerous dynamic offensively. So I'm rooting for I'm rooting for our guys internally. Wouldn't want to give up a whole lot of pieces and picks for Levine like I would at Anthony Edwards. Ooh, you said a lot. There's a lot to unpack in all of that you just said. <laughs> My brain is like, yo, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> First, um, Grimes. Because I see simply saying pairing RJ and Zach Levine together. 
Um, offensively, it's that seems like oh that could be amazing, but I can also see that being very clunky because I'm not sure how much Lactavine is an off-ball movement guy, and even though Levine is a higher talent level than Grimes, is this like? I can't remember. Remember the Lakers team? There was a Lakers team that had like Gary Payton, Shaq, <laughs> yeah. um, who else am I missing? Um, was it Carl Malone? I forgot who was it. Malone. 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 Like, and we Malone. were like, "Wow, this is the greatest starting five in history." And you oh. see them play together, and it's like, wait, <laughs> something ain't right. Like sometimes when you have too much of the same type of ball dominant player, it doesn't really work out the way you think it will in your head. Um, but because our Lakers team still made the finals. <laughs> yeah, but they were That's a good point. Yeah, but they didn't win it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did it though, but they still made the finals. They went to the final and did it. That's a good point, Ryan. It's a good point. My overall point is there's certain times when I'm looking at the game, like take this game today where you have Randall Iso, Grimes Iso. I mean, Randall Iso, Brunson Iso, and you need some ball movement. You need some off ball movement. All of a sudden you see Grimes fly in and cut off the, cut off the ball and make a play, whether it be a layup or another pass to Mitch or whoever under the basket. I think we lose a lot of that type of chemistry when we don't, when we have too many ball dominant guys in the same starting lineup, so that that kind of worries me. Um, as far as Grimes being having a higher ceiling than RJ, woo! Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shooting for me. It's the that's sh- it's the shooting. Oh, not the gunshots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, the, the three ball shooting. Of the ball. Okay. All right. Man, you want to have this awkward conversation now? I could have just ignored it. Let's have this conversation. Show. I could have just ignored it, but I, I chose not to and dive into this. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I chose to be controversial after a Knicks Spurs win. Jeez, this is not an easy show. Whatever. All right. Here's the thing. The two things we worry about the most with RJ is the three-point shooting and the finishing. Both of those for RJ Barrett are below leave average. Uh, when you look at Grimes clean the glass stats, he's above average at finishing at the rim. I'm going off the top of my head. I think he's in the 85th percentile finishing at the rim. Um, the three-point shot... He was above average last year. This year, I think he's trending up. I haven't checked, but I think he might be average. But I I believe he will be above average in both by the time the end of the year kind of progresses. The passing. It's funny. Grimes... 
already has eight assist game in his second year. I've complained that RJ hasn't had a double assist game as of yet. Grimes is a sharper passer. But when you compare Grimes passing to RJ's passing, even though Grimes is more willing to pass the ball more and has more assists, when you really dissect it, RJ has more high-level reads than Grimes. I've seen RJ pass it to the corner. I've seen pass it to to Mitch on a bunch of lobs. I've seen yes. him pass it to um like the elbow three-point after collapsing. I've seen him throw higher level passes than Grimes has, but Grimes is a more willing passer and a sharper passer. So I don't know. I don't know. The swing thing for me with RJ is he has the size to bully people down low and ISO at a higher rate because of his size down low. So if he puts it all together, it's possible he could be higher than Grimes. But as of today in his second season, Grimes is just shooting way better and just sharper and quicker. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. Ryan, help me. <laughs> oh, boy. Does Grimes have a higher ceiling than RJ? Um, I'll say this. Like, I do think if RJ can put it together, he is the higher ceiling player in terms of offense. If RJ can actually put everything together, like his shooting, his ability to finish, you know, his ability to finish at the rim, you know, mid-range, et cetera. Like, if RJ puts it together, I think offensively he's at least a higher ceiling player than Grimes. But defensively, yeah, Grimes is going to always be always the better player. Always. And then when it comes to passing, I, I, I can't see Grimes being a better passer than RJ with the, with the way he makes his passes, especially when he drives to the basket. RJ has the same ability as well. But I can't see Grimes being the better passer, you know, being the better assist man than RJ. But overall, in terms of talent, like, I, I, I can't say Grimes has a higher ceiling. I, I can't say. I think if RJ puts it together, he's the higher ceiling player. Lee, what do you think? Good arguments. Uh, it, it's not one that I'm going to, like, die on a hill for in terms of his take. I've just been really impressed with the jump that Grimes has taken in his second season. And I like the things that he was good at right off the bat, which was team defense, individual man on man defense, and his three point shooting. He has shown that both in this, the summer league and then in the, the, the regular season. And he's gotten better at both those metrics season to season. I also think he plays better with players, like his teammates, better than RJ does as well. RJ has difficulty fitting in with certain lineups. He's had difficulty developing a good two-man game with Randall really until this season. Grimes can play with anybody. He doesn't even need plays call for him. He just like catches, you know, the third, fourth, one play breaks down, the second one breaks down. He's the open man. He catches, he'll hit the three, or he'll make the right read and find a cutter. I just like the way that Grimes plays. Love how utility he is. And I think if he had more plays ran for him and was featured at a higher level in the offense, I think he would be a better player than RJ. But I, I hope they both succeed. I'm not here to argue one down to lift one up. I, I love them both, but I just think Grimes has a little bit more natural ability than RJ has to try a little bit harder um, in terms of these two. I think natural shooter, yeah. 
but there's like nuances to the ability thing. Like, like I said, I think it's it's I think it's the bully ball nature and the size of RJ that ultimately gives me the edge over Grimes to long term possibly being the better ISO player and a better guy to run a team through through heavy playmaking because he'll be, I think long-term if the RJ develops correctly, he can, he should be able to bully people. ISO being a post, um, have people on the hip and not be able to do anything about it. You know what I mean? Uh, so even though the shooting is better from art, from Grimes, I, I, I'm a, I'm a edge RJ. I'm edge RJ. Yeah, I just I just think Grimes is a more seamless fit. Like you could pretty much put Grimes in like pretty much any offensive system, and Grimes is gonna fit. You know, RJ more. You know, you you kind of have to like. How, how do I put this? You know, like Grimes is a player that you could put put him in any system. He's gonna thrive because he's a he's a guy that doesn't demand the ball often. Yeah, he's a three point shooter, and he makes smart decisions when he has the ball in his hand. You know, he can actually be productive <laughs> not having the ball in his hand. Bless you. RJ, more, RJ more, more requires the ball in his hand to be productive. So RJ is not as a, is not as a seamless fit as Grimes is. But I think if you look at talent, especially offensively, I still think RJ Barrett has more tools to his disposal to be the better offensive player. But if you're going to talk defense, of course Grimes is – by far the better player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, all right. We did it, man. We had that conversation. All right. <laughs> Lee's pretty much saying Grimes is untouchable. Right. Well, my, my hope my hope is I think RJ right now is a third is slotted in to be the third best player currently. Mm-hmm. I think if we were to get a true number one. He would be the fourth best player after Randall and Brunson. Let's say that all these guys are still here. Let's, in the best case scenario, we get through free agency. I think Grimes is a better fourth option or third option than RJ is. RJ's skill set, his mindset, the way that he is best utilized is as a, probably a second option, but I think he's more of a three or four. I think Grimes will fit into that three or fourth option better than RJ would just because of how easy the game comes to him. Yeah, which is why I said before, which is, is unpopular take that rugged a lot of people the wrong way. Now we're like an elite wing away from really making a lot of noise. Agreed. Um, and I'm hoping RJ grows into that elite wing. So when I'm thinking about Randall plus Brunson, I'm like, all right, if we get an elite wing, it's a wrap. Where we can really start yeah. to run the table because we have Mitch, maybe elite wing, a backup defensive wing, and a stretch five to back up Mitch. In my mind, is would be like a perfect team. In my yep. mind, um, but then it's like for me, Grimes is such a a good piece, and he fits everywhere. Like it would be like the I feel like having an elite wing next to RJ would be a weird fit team wise. Which is why, which is why I want RJ to grow into that. Because otherwise, to me, long term, if it get an elite wing, it makes more sense to remove RJ and still have Grimes here to play that role than have RJ play alongside one because of the fit conversation that we were having just now. 
Not a popular take, but it's that's I agree with you. It just makes sense to me. Yep. All right. We salute to the chat. We no one wanted to call in to curse us out for any of the conversation we just had. If you want to curse the whole curses out, you have your chance. 319-527-6241. Otherwise, I'm gonna just shout you out and end the show right there. <laughs> we probably might get just cursed out in the comments. That's usually what happens anyway. <laughs> but salute to you guys. Salute to Samir Sariano, President of Ball. Shout out to you, Michael Moss, Knicks Nation TV, Nick Yak. Uh, my guy Alexander's been here for a while. B. Willis, uh, Mike Uno, Manchild, S. Parker, Roberto Rivera Jr. I see somebody else who I, 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 I was arguing with somebody in chat. I forgot who, who, who. I was arguing with somebody in the comments on YouTube. I see he's here too. Uh, Scott Wolf, shout, shout out. I don't remember who your name is off the rip, but shout out to you. He's arguing in the chat back and forth. I mean, the comments back and forth on YouTube all day. Probably like yesterday and today. Shout out to you. Even though we disagree, I appreciate you going back back and forth with me. All right. All right. Charm Boy, salute to you, man. And Knicks Nation, I like DeMar DeRozan, but like I said, still a clunky fit to me. And that's too immediate. Like, he's too old to me to have here right now. It's like now we're in, like, ultimate win mile mode with a guy who's, on, who's in his late 30s and only has a few years. I, I don't know if I'm in, in on DeRozan, even though I love his game. I just don't feel like the fit is right. He's he's better suited for the Bulls than our team, honestly. Uh, Meyer Society TV, TV says, these picks we have this year needs to be on the best two wing players available at 6'8 or better. But yeah, it's either has to be that or we, we package them to trade up or package them for an elite star or or something. I agree. I agree. Yeah, or Adam Silver can just give us a number one pick and we can get Wemby. We can do that. <laughs> Hell, or Scoot. Scoot. I'm good with Scoot. I love Scoot. I'm really good with Scoot. <laughs> Me too. I'm down for Scoot. I, don't, I ain't gonna hold you. Bye. Bye. Yo, good show, guys. <laughs> Great conversation. I like where it led. That is our show. Lee, you just let them know where they can find you, sir. Uh, on Twitter, at underscore Lee Escobedo, L-E-E-E-S-C-O-B-E-D-O. I saw my pops in the chat. Shout, Shout out, pops. pops. Very nice to have Ryan back. Welcome back, buddy. Welcome Showing back. the same without you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Ryan G, let them know. You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. That's S I R G is C H I L L I N. You can also find me at Sir G's Corner. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. And I guess I just gotta I just have two shout outs. First and foremost, shout out to the New York Giants. We in the playoffs. Yeah. Let's we <laughs> And number two, I just want to big up on. Damar Hamlin, because um, I'm sure y'all know by now, like he collapsed on the field yeah. in the Bills and Bengals game. And I wish him a speedy recovery. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Before before we end the show, Ryan, bruh pick. Shut out the worldwide. No, no, no. Bruh. Ryan, you already know that bruh pick got to go to, right? Wait, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. You, you, you just mentioned the player who collapsed on the field. 
Oh, what, DeMar Hamlin? Yes. Skip? Yes. Oh, oh Skip Bayless. Oh, uh, yeah. Skip. Yeah. The worst. Why does he still have a show? I feel the like worst. one day Shannon Sharp, I mean, Shannon Sharp. <laughs> I feel one day he's just going to reach over and just. What <laughs> <laughs> the five things fade to the face? Like one Word. day, and that follow through is going to be so. He's going to Will Smith that dude. He's going to Chris Rock homie so hard one day. It's going to be bad, man. It's yeah, because he's already done insulted that man on live television already. Yeah, it's offensive. Between that and the and the bronze kids and shoot, now nah, I'm not even like a super duper like the bronze champion, but like he be just be OD. He just be OD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right, man. All right, I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show you. Listen. If you support the show, hit that like and subscribe button, please. Please share. Please share our content as well. It's going to help us grow. Let's Let's get bigger, better. All right. So please share, like, subscribe, and comment. I definitely read the comments. I bees in the comments. Bees be in the comments too. So if you you too scared to call up, we'll be in the comments. We got the smoke in the comments, right, Lee? We got the smoke in the comments. We got the smoke, buddy. <laughs> I got to join, too. I got to join in the yeah. smoke. Yeah, right. Get in there. Yeah. Stan was going hard on me in the comments. <laughs> Stan, man. I love Stan. Yeah, yeah. We got all the smoke. We coming at y'all in the comments. And it's all fun. It's all fun. It's all fun. It's all basketball, though. <laughs> but, um, yo, you can follow us. At hold on, let me get to my get to my screen. Yo, get the snapbacks, the black and white and the blue orange first of all at the nicktimeshow.com. All you gotta do is go there and hit catalog, boom, get all our merch. All right. Also, follow us on Twitter at the KOT Show and also Instagram and Facebook at the Nick Time Show. Also, check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Listen to KOT. All right. And shout out to the people who've been buying the snapbacks. I'll see you guys. Um, hopefully you enjoy your snapbacks. All right. Cool. That is our show. <laughs> and guess what, guys? You know what time it is. As always. Shout out the worldwide west. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here, these Knicks YouTube streets. That's our show. We out this piece. Peace. York, New York, big city of dreams. New York, New York, big city of dreams.